Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. We have been in a series on the supernatural power of a transformed mind for six weeks. And I'm just going to kind of crash land all six weeks and then get into a new uh, thing today. Um, But if I had to summarize the whole six weeks, here's kind of what just the Brad take on all that we learned from that book and that curriculum. And that is to have a supernatural power in our transformed mind, our minds need to be uncommon. We need uncommon minds. And in the first lesson, we learned that when we see a natural problem, our minds will begin to look for a natural solution, but a renewed mind, a transformed mind, an uncommon mind will begin to look for a kingdom solution, for a miracle to be done. When the natural mind sees a normal place, we read the story of Jacob when he put his head down and he had this vision of, of heaven over top of him in a stairway, that when we think we're in just a natural place, we need to realize because because we are carriers of the kingdom of God. Wherever we go is the house of God. Wherever we go, God puts a stairway over our head so that angels can ascend and descend and minister the kingdom of God. That's what it means on earth as it is in heaven. You are a lightning rod for the power and presence of God wherever you go. We realized in the third lesson that a common Christian really doesn't even know if they're saved. Like there's no fire in their belly of their Christian faith and that an uncommon mind that has been renewed recognizes that we have significance in our walk with God, that we bring the kingdom of God into whatever room we walk into. We have supernatural power that lives on the inside of us. There's no limp-wristed, milk-toast, mamby-pamby, kumbaya Christianity, that we are fire starters for the kingdom of God in whatever room we walk into. We also learned that the common Christian might forget what God has done, but the uncommon mind will remember the miracles that God has done while we lean in for God to do even more of the miraculous in our lives, that we're always hungry for God to move more. Having an uncommon mind means that our mind will not be common. Now, I know that that's like a super heavy prophetic word. Having an uncommon mind means our minds will not be common. Now, I need to be clear and I need to be careful because sometimes people think that by having an uncommon mind and even the name of our church uncommon, that it could be, it could be prideful. And I, I never want that to be the thought. So I, I, remember, I was looking for words for this when I was writing this message. And then I remembered literally this sweatshirt. We, we, we developed this sweatshirt a year ago um, when it was cold and it was 71 degrees this morning. So I thought that was cold enough to wear a sweatshirt. Clearly I was wrong because it's kind of swampy under here. But the point is, I didn't know worship was gonna be that good and I was gonna have to jump and dance that much. Um, but that this, this phrase we have on the back of these sweatshirts, it's a battle cry for this generation. And if, if you haven't seen one of these shirts, or um, uh, let me just read it for you. It says, I am called by God to build an uncommon church. I'm called to serve a vision that is bigger than myself. I own this vision. And I am called to lead the common man to an uncommon God. My win is Christ's win, salvation. And I will die daily to myself to see this vision of my church move forward. I desire to see every tribe, every tongue, and every nation confess Jesus as Lord. I will give up my life for this mission without concern for credit, position, or title. I will leverage my time, my talents, and my influence to see the cause of Christ advance through my church. I am building a church with an uncommon love for God and an uncommon love for people. At Uncommon, we live holy, we love the lost, we serve sacrificially, we give outrageously, and we love without limits. We are the Uncommon Church. And I, I just love that wearing that sweatshirt. I was wearing that sweatshirt on a flight this week, and as I was walking down the, the aisle back to the, where the chickens and the goats are in the back of the plane, I, I, I just thought, at first I thought, oh, I forgot I'm wearing my my church sweatshirt. I wonder what people think. And then I'm like, no, I'm a part of an amazing church. And I'm kind of like lifting up the hoodie and I'm, I'm flexing a little bit to see I got back fat and back muscles. But my point is that I'm a part of something bigger than myself. 
So when we say that we're an uncommon church, it has nothing to do with other churches because we do not, we will not ever compare ourselves to other churches. The moment you compare your life, your marriage, your car, your finances, or your church to another church, it creates competition. And we are not in competition with other churches. We are on the same team with other churches. That's why we pray for other churches. We encourage other churches. Josie and I travel and speak to help other churches grow. Our church financially gives to other churches. We are on the same team. When I say we are an uncommon church, I mean we are just a bunch of common people that have had a supernatural encounter with the uncommon God. That this God, that he loved us when we were still sinners. That God, he died for us, he rose again, and he is alive today. You know, that we serve an uncommon God because all other gods are dead or they were man-made idols that never lived in the first place. But our uncommon God is eternal life, and he gives eternal life to each one of us. I'm using that word uncommon a lot. I should probably define it for you, so I looked it up. Uncommon means not common. (laughs) Unusual, out of the ordinary. And I thought, isn't that a great description for what God wants to do in our lives and in our church? Because too often, we just want to live our normal life, our common life, and add a little bit of God. We want just enough God so we don't go to hell. We don't want to be crazy about it. We don't want to be unusual. We don't want to be fanatical. We just don't want to go to hell. But I'm telling you, when we say that we are an uncommon church, it means that we separate ourselves from the common things. We are not common. The Bible refers to this as holy. we, We say, no, God is holy. I know, but what holy means is set apart. Here's all the regular things, and the holy things are set apart for God. They're set apart unto the Lord. Way back at the beginning of the Bible, when when God was trying to institute what worship would look like, he set up Moses' brother Aaron, and he said, Aaron, you are going to be in charge of all of the worship in my house. And he was saying, this is important, pay attention, in Leviticus chapter 10, Aaron, you are to distinguish between the holy things, and look at what he said, and the common things between the clean things and the unclean things. So as Aaron was setting up the tabernacle and people were gonna go to the house of God to worship, there was gonna be things that would be in the tabernacle, in God's presence, that would be different. They could not be used in the common world because they were set apart, they were holy. So if you were gonna use these gold items in in worship, you might have had 100 gold spoons, but when you pull out these ones, these are now holy, they're set apart. They're not a part of the rest, they're not a part of the common things. If you, the priest, would put out bread in the very presence of God. It was called the show bread. And that bread was not to be considered common because it couldn't be eaten by the regular people. It was set apart. It was holy. It was uncommon bread. And that's what it means to be uncommon. It means we are set apart. We are called by God to be set apart from the rest of the world. It's okay to be unusual. It's okay to be a fish that's swimming against the the stream. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but you cannot go with the flow that the world would want to take you. You have to take a stand for Jesus and live differently, to live uncommon. Six weeks of spiritual, uh, of supernatural power of a transformed mind, there was one verse that we kept coming back to over and over and over again, and that's Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Well, how are we going to do that? Easy, by having your mind transformed. By renewing your mind to think through the kingdom of God perspective and not through the earthly, just worldly perspective. So that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I remind you that Paul wrote this to Christians in the church in Rome. Why? Because it's possible for a Christian to have a mind that thinks common things. And he was saying, I need you to not allow your mind to be conformed to this world, allow your mind to be renewed and transformed, to be different, to be unusual, to be peculiar in this world. He was urging the church in Rome to live uncommon. They didn't call the church in Rome uncommon church, but they could have. Peter put it this way, He said, but you guys, you're a chosen race. You're not not normal people. You're a royal priesthood. You're kings and priests. You're a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. You're a people for God's own possession. Repeat that after me. Say, I am a people for God's own possession. That we might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. 
That's what it means to be uncommon. We're no longer living in darkness. We're living in light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are uncommon. By simply accepting Jesus in your life and dying to your old life, he has given you eternal life. He has given you his mercy. He has given you an uncommon way to live. So an uncommon church should live an uncommon lifestyle. We're not going to fit into the mold of this world, and that's okay. We're going to look different. We're going to think differently. We're going to talk differently. We're going to just be different. And you know what? That's going to have to be okay with you. Stop trying to blend in. Stop trying to be normal in this world. It's okay to be different. Let the love of God set you apart from everybody else in this world because you carry eternal life and joy and supernatural power on the inside of you. That's not always going to fit in the devil's world. So go ahead and be different. Be peculiar. Swim upstream and when everybody else is swimming downstream. The more you try to act like the world, the harder it's going to be. Everything should be different for an uncommon church. Our goals should be different. Our lives should be different. Our passions should be different. Our interests should be different. Because our things that we're interested in are eternal, not temporal. We should care more about the kingdom of God than about a football game tonight. We should care more about the kingdom of God advancing on the earth than we should about the economy or who's president. I'm not saying these things aren't important. I'm just saying we have things on our hearts and minds that are more important. Because we want to see people that are far from God die to their old lives and start living for Jesus. That is more important than anything else in the world, is that other people that might go to hell would experience the power and presence and love of God and surrender their lives to Jesus and go to heaven. Uncommon people don't like Jesus. Uncommon people are utterly obsessed with Jesus. And whenever the church would wake up and realize that we can't just like Jesus, but we have to be desperately in love, passionately pursuing Jesus, that's when we can finally start acting like the church is supposed to act. Jesus should be our everything. In the same way that we're longing for our next breath, we should be longing for more of Jesus' power and presence in our life. Sorry, I'm a little fired up today. I had to stop and take a breath and wipe the spit off this terrible mustache. I was flying into the country the other day and I was signing up for um, global entry where you, you go through just with the facial recognition, you know, 666 in your forehead and you can enter the country. But I had to go get my fingerprints and all that by TSA or I guess it's not TSA, it's, it's Homeland Security. So when I went through passport control, I told him I needed to get my fingerprints and stuff. He said, oh, okay, just wait right here. We'll send an officer to come take you back. So in a few minutes, a guy comes out, and he goes, Mr. Mustache, come on back. And then he goes, you know, not everybody can pull that off. Not so sure you are either. Let me give you a few characteristics of what an uncommon church looks like. Some of them are from the back of this shirt. It says that we're going to be a people of uncommon love. You know, the funny thing about uncommon love is that it's a choice. We have to choose to love people. And I don't know if you've met anybody in the world, but most people are not, like, automatically lovable. Wow, this section knows some people right here. <laughs> but we make a conscious decision. I'm going to love people whether they're loving to me or not. I'm, I'm not just going to love the easy people. I'm not just going to love the people that look like me and vote like me and listen to the same music I listen to. I'm going to love the people that are the opposite of me, that believe differently than me. It's so easy to be common and only love people that you, it's easy to love. It's hard to be uncommon and have uncommon love. It takes a choice that every day when we wake up, I am going to act in a loving way no matter what happens. John chapter 15, Jesus said this. It's in red letters in your Bible. He said, this is my commandment that you would love one another in the same way that I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? All the way to the cross where he gave up his life for us. Because greater love has no one than this, that somebody might lay down their life for their friends. And Jesus said, and you people are my friends. Well, if you do what I command. Loving people is a command from Jesus. Jesus is saying, you wanna be my friend? Then you're gonna have to love people so much you'll be willing to lay down your life for them. Uncommon love for people will change you. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you see people. The funny thing is you're no longer going to be judging people the first thing you see them. You're going to be looking for ways that you can bless them and introduce them to Jesus. 
when you meet people, you're not going to be looking out for yourself first. You're going to be looking out for other people first. It's easy to put on a sweatshirt. It's hard to live out what it says on the back. Uncommon love for other people means that you're going to die to yourself so that other people might live and know Jesus. It's going to cost you everything. It's easy to say. It's hard to live out. Uncommon love leads us to uncommon honor. Honor is something that we don't necessarily have a lot of. If somebody looks differently than us, believes differently than us, if they voted for somebody different than us, it is so easy to dishonor other people. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter one, this is the first book, first chapter, first page of your Bible, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. By the way, that just solves the debate of how many genders there are. There's only two, male and female. Let's not get carried away because some people don't agree with you. Let's be loving, but here's my point. Every single person is created in the image of God. Therefore, they are worthy of a measure of love and honor, and we are the ones that are supposed to demonstrate that. If we dishonor people that we disagree with, all we're showing is that God hates them. But by choosing love and honor for people that are different than us and think differently than us, and even if they hate us, if our response is love and honor, simply because they were created in the image of God. They bear the image of God. We honor God by honoring those that carry his image. Think of somebody that you hate. Think of somebody in your life that just drives you crazy, at work, in your family, in politics, somebody that just, the moment you see their face pop up on a political ad or whatever, like it just makes your skin boil. God says that we're supposed to love them and honor them because they carry, they bear the image of our God. The world does not know how to honor because the world does not honor God. We do. So we honor God by honoring people created in his image. And if, if, we're gonna, if we're gonna live like this, we're gonna stick out. We're gonna look weird. Like, I just wanna warn you, if you're like, you care what people think about you, it's gonna be hard to be an uncommon Christian because it's gonna look weird to love people and honor people that hate you. And I also have to warn you a little bit about this one and the next couple things. When I talk about honoring people and living holy and the things we're gonna go into next, it can't come from your mind, it has to come from your heart. It can't come from empty rules and dead religion. It has to come from a passionate love for God in your heart. Because we can make up a bunch of rules and call that honor, but it's harder to honor God in our hearts. And then if we would do that, it'll direct our actions. So we honor God by loving people and honoring people created in his image. We honor God by worshiping him. We honor God by living holy. We honor God by being a light in the darkness. We honor God by bringing, by being bearers of the kingdom of God into whatever room we walk into because I tell you, it dishonors God when we act like hypocrites. It dishonors God when we raise our hands in worship and then use those hands in a way that does not honor God, looking at pornography or getting high or getting drunk or, or slapping somebody around or whatever, that, that our tongues would praise God and then they would lie and curse and cheat and steal. If we say we're gonna honor God, our lives have to align with the kingdom of God because that makes God look good. You make God look bad when you act like a hypocrite. Let me give you one example, and this is just a, a, a little thing that's my personal pet peeve. Don't turn this into religion, it has to come from your heart, but allow God to change your heart if this is a problem for you. You would not be late for work every day or eventually you'd get fired. You would not take your children late for school every day because they're gonna keep getting demerits and suspensions and pretty soon they're gonna expel your kid because you're late. If you've got a doctor's appointment to have something looked at that has turned green or growing hair, you're not gonna be late for that doctor's appointment. Why would you dishonor God by being late for worship? It dishonors God by being late for worship. He's the king of kings. He's the king of the universe. Giving God praise is the most important thing we're going to do today. Uncommon church honors God because we have a passion for God and a love for God and a love for his presence. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about like I have to. It's because I want to. I wouldn't want to miss a moment of worshiping him and being in his presence. He's worthy. Uncommon community is another character trait of our church. And that is, 
it's really kind of uncommon to lay your life down for other people because everybody else in the world is me first, mine first, my family first, take me to the front of the line. Like, like those people that are driving in the shoulder and the lane that's ending to cut in front of everybody. If you do that, that's, not, that's common. <laughs> Josie. <laughs> I'm kidding. Because most people have an attitude that I'm looking out for number one. I'm going to get me, I'm going to get mine. But to be uncommon, it means we die to ourselves so that we can serve other people. It means, here's something that we use at our church, it means we pre-forgive. And we live unoffendable. You can't offend me because I'm actually, I refuse to pick up an offense against you. You live your life unoffendable. You know what's funny? I find that people that have their eyes not up here, but they have their eyes down here and they're looking for an offense, I don't like that you wore Reeboks when I like Nikes. I don't like that you wore blue jeans when I like black jeans. I don't like that you did this when I like that. If you look for an offense, believe it or not, you're going to find some. And then we carry around these offenses and we're like, yeah, I'm offended with you and I'm offended with you and I'm offended with you. And we go through our life like this, offended with people. But why don't we live our life in a way that our hands are open and we say, I'm not carrying offenses, I'm not looking for offenses, I'm not picking up offenses, I live unoffendable. In fact, I'm going to pre-forgive you. If you punch me in the mouth, I'm going to turn my other cheek because I've already made it up in my mind, I will pre-forgive you. I'm not going to hold an unforgiveness against you. Ephesians chapter 4, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, that's uncommon. Forgive one another in the same way that Christ forgave you. Now, just leave that verse up for a second. Wow, I really thought you were going to have that verse up. Just leave that verse up for a second. Wow, that's not the verse at all. I'm in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Do you guys have that? Or just, that's only in my teleprompter. Forgiveness is the point. How did... Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. And if we're being totally honest, uh, I was a little jet lagged. I built these slides myself. So it's possible that I forgot to make the Ephesians 4.22 slide. And I don't have to forgive anybody but myself. Do you know sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself? Like right now, I'm really upset with me. And I'm wishing I'd have gone to bed earlier instead of staying up so late making these slides just because I was jet lagged. Let me read it again. If you need to, write this down so you can look it up in your own Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted with one another. Forgive each other in the same way that Christ forgave you. Well, how did Christ forgive us? Before we were ever born, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Jesus pre-forgave all of us. Before we were ever born, and he knew that we would sin against him. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to take their sin. I'm going to nail it to the cross. Jesus chose to pre-forgive us. Therefore, you can't hurt me because I'm going to live my life unoffendable. I'm going to pre-forgive you if you try to hurt me. And that'll work in marriage. That'll work if you're raising teenagers. Hey, man. <laughs> that'll work at work. You know how every, every, every office has that one person? Right, Lene? My point is... Where the moment you see them, you're like, oh, pre-forgive them. The funny thing is, Lene's like, yeah, you are that person to me. <laughs> That's enough. If you look for an offense, you're going to find one. If you look for opportunities to forgive people, you're going to find opportunities to forgive people. It's easy to be upset. It's easy to get your, I was going to say your panties in a while, but you're not allowed to say that in church. It, it's easy to get twisted with people. It, that's so easy to go off the handle and get mad and get angry and throw a temper tantrum. That's easy. That's common. It's hard to be uncommon. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. That you would fight for peace, you would fight for unity. The next thing is this, that you would serve other people well. Have an uncommon serving. Because it's a sacrifice to come early and stay late. This worship team, these very talented men and women that come so early and serve, you guys have the service? No, that, we did that. That's cool. Um, there's a slide that I made last night that says uncommon serving. This worship team and these tech people, they get here at like 745. 
Most of you were still sleeping at 7.45 this morning. Some of you watching on YouTube rolled over, saw that it was raining, and were like, cool, I can skip church and just watch on YouTube. But there were men and women that got up and unlocked the building and turned on the air conditioning, and they started turning all the equipment on, and they began to just walk around this place and pray and just worship God and prepare to take us into the presence of God. There were people in raincoats out putting out cones and helping you find parking today in the rain. They don't know your name, you don't, especially if you're a first-time visitor. They just did it because they love you, because they wanted to use their time and their talents to come early and stay late and serve other people. It's easy to not serve. It's hard to serve people. <laughs> the funny thing is when you look at the disciples, they, um, there was like thousands of people that followed Jesus. And then the Bible says there was 120 in his like camp of whenever Jesus would get up and move. It was about 120 that would move with Jesus. And then we know that there was, of course, 12 disciples. But then oftentimes Jesus would take three guys, Peter, James, and John, and he would take the three away. And there was one time where Jesus took the three and he took him up to a high mountain and he was transformed into his heavenly glory and he was shining like the glory of the sun. It's in Mark chapter nine. You should read it if you have never read that before. And then they're coming down the mountain and they're back with the other 12 disciples and Jesus said, you can't talk about it, but their, their faces are like, I can't believe we saw that. And then they begin to argue with each other. Well, the three of us must be better than the other nine of them because he took us away. So I think we're probably in charge now, right? Because people just want to be in charge of other people. Mark chapter 9, they kept silent because they were arguing with one another as to see who was the greatest. Cool, cool, cool. And he sat down, and then he called the 12 together. He said, listen, guys, if any of you wants to be first, you're actually going to have to be last. And you're going to have to be the servant of all. If you're a part of our church, a regular part of our church, and you're not serving on a dream team or leading a you group, I'm asking you, stop being common and be uncommon and serve on a team or lead a you group. Because at our church, we serve one another. I'm asking you to please join a team and serve. If you're new to our church and you're wondering, can I just sit here and watch like I used to do at my other church? The answer is no. Growth Track 1 is always the first Sunday of the month, and Growth Track 1 will be November 6th, which is in just a few weeks from now. You join our church, you serve on a team. Just serve once a month. Serve as an usher. Serve running cameras. Serve in the parking lot. Serve making coffee. If you've got a heart for kids, serve with our kids. Whatever that looks like. But you, this is not a good church to just be a spectator. This is a full participation church. You're amazing at something. We need you to serve God with the talents that God has given you. If you want to go to one of those churches where you can just sit in the grandstand and just watch church and just receive ministry, that's fine. We're not going to be a good fit for you. We're always going to be challenging you and encouraging you into uncommon service. Why? Because the first will be last and the greatest in the kingdom will be the one that serves. It's actually really selfish to not serve in the church. We should live uncommon and we should serve other people. All right, let's move on to, to speaking of serving, uncommon worship. Jesus was king of the universe, and when he went to dinner with the boys, they had walked with sandals in the Middle East and dusty, muddy, and he realized that nobody stopped to wash their feet, which was normal, part of the custom. When you had guests over to your home, a servant would come and kneel down and wash the feet of the guests before going into the house. So Jesus is in there looking around that nobody washed anybody's feet. So he gets up, takes off his robe, ties a towel around his waist, and he begins to wash the feet of the other disciples. He was ministering to the disciples. We like to be ministered to. The worship team ministered worship to us. Right now I am ministering the word to you. If you've got kids, there's, there's kids ministers that are ministering to your children. In a few minutes, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up here and in prayer, people are gonna minister to you. It's nice to receive ministry. It encourages us. It blesses us when people minister to us. Uncommon worship is not where we receive ministry. It's where we minister to the Lord. Uncommon worship, we lift our hearts, we lift our hands, we lift our focus and our attention, and we minister to Jesus. We glorify, it's not a production, it's not a show. In fact, it's not even for us. 
Worship is for him. Why do I think it's important to be on time for worship? Because worship is not about us. Worship is about him. One time I was shaking hands with somebody at the door, like, preacher, you know, I like your church, and I like the way you're a little irreverent, you know, I like the way you're kind of funny, and I'm like, you tell my wife I'm funny, and the point is, he goes, I just don't like y'all's music. I don't like the singing part. I said, well, that's funny. It's probably because the singing part wasn't for you. It was for somebody else. We're not here to receive the singing part. We're here to lift our hearts and minister to Jesus. Psalm 95, verse 6, come, let us worship, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I know we're under construction and we're a few weeks away from laying the new carpet, but I think you get extra credit for kneeling, or I saw Shane laying in the altar last Sunday, getting all drywall dusty and muddy, because he's kneeling before the Lord. We just want to kneel when it's clean, and most people don't even want to kneel. (laughs) Have I taken this in a weird direction that you guys don't like where I'm going? Because y'all got real quiet on me. Isaiah chapter 12 said, we should sing praises to the Lord because he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Psalm 71, 23, my lips are going to shout for joy. My lips are going to sing praises to God. My soul is going to cry out to God because you have redeemed me. Psalm 34, 3, let us magnify the Lord and exalt his name forever. What does it mean to magnify? Remember when you used to burn ants when you had a magnifying glass when you were a kid? No, that, that, was that just me also? Nobody set a fire with a magnifying glass when they were a kid. Thank you for all of you people that set fires behind Mill Creek Town Elementary School in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Sorry, Mom. My point is, when you're looking through a magnifying glass, your attention is not here. Your attention is focused right here. And what you're looking at gets bigger. And when the Bible says we're going to magnify the Lord, it means I'm not going to be looking here, I'm not going to be looking there, I'm not going to be looking, my eyes are going to be focused on making God bigger. Too many problems in the church, in the common church, we've got great big problems and a little bitty God. In an uncommon church, we've got a great big God, which makes for little bitty problems. And we're back. Just gotta say something catchy to get them a clap time. Pause at the right moment. I'm not here trying to tickle your tummy. I'm not here trying to be like trick you into loving Jesus. Because the next thing is that you would have uncommon passion. That God would put a fire in your belly that burns whether you're in church or out of church. That you would have this love for Jesus. That you would live for Jesus, not because you have to, but because you want to. In fact, having a passion gives your life purpose. I, I don't like talking to Christians. It's like, hey, what's God doing in your life? I'm, I'm sorry, what? What do you believe in God for? Tell me something big that you're believing God to do in your life. Uh, I was just going to clock out at 5 o'clock and go home and watch TV. Oh, cool, cool, cool. That's common. Uncommon people are believing God to do great things. What has God done in the, in the last month of your life? What is something big that God's done? What's a testimony that you can get that God has done something you've been praying for, you've been believing for, you've been ministering to somebody, you've been encouraging somebody, and God has been moving in that life, moving in that heart, moving in that nation. God has been doing something, and you're like, yeah, to God be the glory. I'm believing God. Because common Christians, they never experience the awe and wonder and power of God because they never live with such passion that they become like a lightning rod for heaven to move on the earth. We're just sucking up oxygen waiting to die and go to heaven. That's not the uncommon life, that's common. God has given you his Holy Spirit, his power, his presence, that whatever we would do, we would do it for the glory of God. Colossians chapter three and verse 23. Whatever you do, whether you're praying for somebody or you're just going to work, whether you're at, buying groceries or you're, 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 you're at a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night or in a U group on a Thursday night, whatever you do, work heartily as if you're doing it for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward because you're actually serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The people that got here early this morning, 7.45, when all of us were still sleeping, they got their reward in heaven. God's blessing them because they're serving. When you go to work tomorrow morning, you go to school tomorrow, don't just do it for work's sake. Do it for Jesus' sake. Ask the Lord, how can I be a light in the darkness? How can I love people well today? How can I be uncommon and bless other people? I didn't say it was easy. It's easy to be common. It's difficult to be uncommon. It's hard to live your life with passion and purpose. 
to ask God for big things, that your life would have meaning, that your life would have purpose, because you've got a giant God. So ask the Lord for big things in your life. Ask him to set you on fire in your belly, which leads us to uncommon holiness. Holiness in the past was a list by church people of things you must do and things you must not do. That's not holiness. Holiness simply means that we're set apart. The, the, the goldsmith made a hundred gold forks and Aaron the high priest came and he's like, all right, I'll take this one, this one, this one, and both of those. And the guy pulls those out. These become holy because they're separated from the common things and they're given into the hands of the Lord. That's what it means to be uncommon. First Peter, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you should be holy in some of your conduct. Oh, snap. You should be holy in all of your conduct because the Bible says be holy because God is holy. Common people are unholy. Common people give in to the passions of their lust, their greed, their anger, their selfishness, their deception. It's easy to sin. Can I tell you something? It's fun to sin. If you've never gotten drunk, if you've never gotten high, if you've never slept with somebody you're not married to, it's fun. Sinning is amazing. But that's the easy road. Holiness is hard. It takes discipline to choose holiness. And it, has to, it can't be a list of rules. It has to be a fire in your belly. I want to raise the bar in my life of holiness. I want to be more pure. Sometimes people will ask me, hey, did you enjoy this new show on Netflix? And I'll look at them like, yeah, I, I saw it. Siri recommended it. But I choose not to watch shows that have got a bunch of nudity and sex and homosexuality and witchcraft and magic and murder. Like, I, just, I choose not to watch those things. I'm not entertained by those things because I'm choosing holiness. It has to be a passion in your heart that our God is holy. He is an uncommon God. We are the uncommon church. We have to live set apart, pursuing his presence and not pursuing the common things of this world. Our minds have to be renewed and transformed that our minds think differently from the world. We choose uncommon holiness, not because we have to, because we want to. I don't know why, I don't, those of you that have had kids or nieces and nephews, and it's like, I'll change the diaper. And you go in there, and you, you pop the diaper open, and you're like, Bleh. it's like brownie batter all pouring out all over. Oh, you never changed a diaper before? I had three kids. And you do your best to not get it all over you because you're not a crazy person, but you get some brownie batter on your hands. What's the first thing you do after you get that new diaper, right? Uh, you pick up a sandwich and eat your sandwich. No? You lick your fingers, get it all? all the... Why would we live our Christian life the same way? Why would we allow our hearts to touch the things of this world and then lift our hands and worship like it ain't no big deal? The first thing you do is you go wash your hands off and you don't just do like a little under the water. No, you got poo on your hands, you're gonna be there for a minute. You're gonna be getting under the fingernails. You're gonna be scrubbing for a while because you want all that filth off of your body. Get all of the filth out of your heart. Can I get an amen? The last one is uncommon. I think it's the last one, I've lost count. Generosity. On this sweatshirt on the back, I, I love that we, I think it must have been my wife that wrote it. She said, because I said uncommon generosity, she said we're gonna have outrageous generosity. If this is like bananas to you, our church believes in tithing. And that is the tithe means 10th. It means we take the first 10% and we return it to God. It doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. If we were to keep it, the Bible says in Malachi chapter three, it's like stealing from God to keep that first 10%. But if you were a member of our church and you read your membership commitment instead of just signing at the bottom, it says that if you're a member of this church, you're gonna, you choose to be a tither. You choose to give God the first 10%. But generosity starts at 11%. The first 10% is just obedience. Generosity starts at 11%. And we live in a world where people put their faith and their trust in money, and it is uncommon to be generous. We might give a little bit to the Red Cross. We might give a little bit if the Sarah McLaughlin song is playing just right to the, the puppies. 
but we're not going to give 10%. We're certainly not going to give 11% or more. But let me read you this verse from 2 Corinthians. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, encouraging them to be uncommon in their giving. He said, he, meaning God, he's going to supply seed to the sower, bread for food. And then he's going to supply and, say multiply. You said that like you want to be poor your whole life. Thank you. He will multiply your seed for more sowing, and then he's going to increase the harvest of your righteousness. And then you're going to be enriched in a little tiny bit of ways. Does it say every? Every ways. Why? So you can be generous in every way, which through us is going to produce more thanksgiving to God. I won't tell you how much Josie and I give, but we give away more money than we used to earn. And it is Every time we get to give, we got paid this last week, we got together and we give online and we're not paying our electric bill, we're, we're sowing seed into the kingdom of God. So we held hands and we prayed, I held that phone and we prayed and prayed and prayed and then we hit the give button because we're believing God. And it, we didn't, it was like, we were literally smiling, like giggly laughing that we get to give because the more we give, the happier we get. The more we give, the more thankful I am. Let me read that verse again. Oh, let me... If we could, yep. He will supply seed to the sower, but he's also going to supply bread for food. Now, there's a difference there because bread is our daily bread. That's today's provision. That's what we eat. The seed is what we sow for tomorrow's harvest. And he says, I'm going to give you more seed for a greater harvest that's going to make you more grateful that God's gonna give you more bread and put a bigger smile on your face. It's like he wants to prosper you so you can be a blessing to other people. And the funny thing is, giving to God and, and being generous, you would think that it would make you like sour and bitter, like, oh, I'm giving my money to God. If you do it with the right heart and the right attitude, it brings such joy and thanksgiving that God has given you seed and he's given you bread. Those that are not generous, those that don't even tithe, they're the ones that financially are always on the struggle bus because they're eating their seed instead of sowing it. And they're not being thankful for the bread that God has given them. You're not asking God to make you generous in heart. This isn't because the church needs your money. The church is in the black. We've raised the money we need for the remodel. Like, the bills are paid. There's money in savings. I, I, I teach on tithing and generosity because it's for your benefit. It brings joy into your life. It gets you off the struggle bus financially. It puts your faith in God, not your faith in money, not your faith in, in work. It's really an invitation. All of these things today are an invitation for you to, to, to come into the deeper places, to come in to an uncommon pursuit of God, to not live common. Remember, the very definition of uncommon is, you know, not common. Hop up on your feet while I read from 1 John. He talks about being uncommon. He says, guys, at Uncommon Church in Euless, Texas in October of 2022, do not love the world nor the things that the world's going to offer you. Because when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. The world offers only a craving of physical pleasure a craving of everything you see with your eyes, pride in your achievement, pride in your possession. These things don't come from the Father, they come from this world. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Living uncommon is an invitation to not live for this world, but to live for the next world. Living uncommon is an invitation to put away the things of this world and to pursue the things of heaven on the earth. It's actually for your benefit that you would live uncommon. People that live the Christian life with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, people that live a Christian life that's not generous, people that live a Christian life that doesn't serve, people that live a, ge a generous life that they're just belly button gazing and they're selfish. They're always looking around, picking up offenses with other people. I'm offended with this church, I'm offended with that pastor, I'm offended with what they said. Why don't you lift your eyes to heaven and let your gaze and your arms and your heart and your voice 
worship the uncommon God. You know what's so funny is that when we choose to embrace the uncommon lifestyle, He transforms us. We're not the same. He empowers us. It's like Superman going into a, a turnstile and we come out full of the power of God to go right back into the world to be a light in the darkness. We, we, we go in common, we have an encounter with God, and then he empowers us to go right back into the world and make every room we walk into become uncommon. Uncommon people transform common people. The vision of our church is to know God, grow strong, and then do what we're called to do. Living uncommon starts with knowing God. And I think a lot of Americans know God in their head. I think a lot of Texans know God, they know church, they know Christianity in their head. I am not talking about intellectual knowledge of God. I'm talking about a personal and intimate, passionate pursuit of the one that loved us before we were ever born. That we would know God and then grow strong. Some of you have given your heart to Jesus and you've not yet been baptized. Get baptized. Humble yourself before your church that loves you and is cheering for you. Do you know, my daughter went with a friend in high school a couple years ago that wanted to get baptized. And my daughter goes to our church. So when she went under the water and got back up, first of all, everybody was sitting, which was weird. And then our daughter stood up and was like, yeah. Because in a room full of people, a teenager wanted to give her heart to Jesus and get baptized. And nobody cared. They were just like, cool, that happened. You're in a room full of people that are passionately pursuing knowing God and that you would know God. It's a safe place to get right with God. It's a safe place to get baptized. It's a safe place to receive prayer. It's a safe place to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a safe place to grow strong. We're rooting for you. We're cheering for you. We're praying for you. And then don't forget uncommon serving. I want you to do what God's created you to do. God has created you with a purpose. You're like, I don't, I don't have any special talents or skills. I can't play the guitar, I, I, I can't sing, I, I can't run a, a camera. If you can play a video game, you can run a camera. Just, or when I'm preaching, it's, You can help make coffee. You can be out in the parking lot and help people find parking. You can be an usher and the flashlight to help people find their seats. By the way, do you know that the house lights are on full before worship starts? You don't need a flashlight if you come on time for worship. You're really into this on time for worship thing, aren't you? Listen, one of these days, Jesus is gonna split the sky in his second coming. I'm going in the first rapture. Some of you are going to be late. Fired up today. I don't know why half our church left for next week. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really care. I'm not trying to build a common church. I'm trying to make you uncommon. Why? Can I just be really honest? When I read the Bible, two things are going to happen in the end times. It's gonna be really, really amazing and God's gonna move in power and signs and wonders and miracles. It's also gonna be really hard for the people that follow Jesus. Jesus himself said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find any faith on the earth? Jesus said, I'm gonna separate the sheep from the goats when he comes back. He wasn't talking about the sheep pen and the goat pen. The sheep and the goats were in the same church. I'm trying to make uncommon sheep. And I get a little hostile sometimes when the devil thinks he's winning. If you're here this morning and you don't know God the way you should know God, you don't know God in your heart, you might know him in your head because you're from Texas and all, that's nice, but that does not get you into heaven. You have to die to your old life, surrender your life to Jesus, repent, it means to transform your mind 180 degrees away from the way you have been thinking and living that you would surrender your life to Jesus and start the uncommon pursuit of heaven. I wanna lead you in a prayer this morning. It might be the first time you ever prayed this prayer. It might be the first time in a long time. 
Now, I can't pray it for you. I can't believe it for you. You have to pray it. You have to believe it in your heart and pray it out loud. But I can lead you. So if you're here this morning, you're watching at home online and your heart's beating out of your chest and you're like, today's my day to get right with God. I'm in a safe place to surrender my life to Jesus. Whether you're sitting at home or you're in this room and you know that today is your day to get right with God, you've been far from God, you've allowed sin either in your life or back into your life, today is your day to get right with Jesus. Can I lead you in that prayer? I'd like to know who I'm praying for. If that's you this morning and you need to get right with Jesus first time or first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. I I see your hands. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. Just say, I need to get right with Jesus today. Is there anybody else? Come on, shoot them up. Good. What about you at home? One person raised their hand and said, I'm getting right with Jesus today. Right there in your living room, watching YouTube, just shoot your hand up and say, today's my day to get right with God. For, for the sake of you and for the one that's here in the room and for the chickens that didn't raise their hand, if you believe it in your heart, why don't we pray this out loud? Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. I die to my old life so I can live the uncommon life. Transform my mind, transform my heart. I receive the gift of eternal life. Wash me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I no longer live for this world. I choose by faith to live for you. Help me, Lord, to live an uncommon life, to have uncommon worship, uncommon passion, uncommon serving, uncommon generosity. Lord, help my mind to be renewed, to think uncommon thoughts. Make me holy like you are holy. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Hey, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you online. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Wow. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.